0: That we're doing on Luke's Gospel at the moment, so we'll be looking at some events in the life of Jesus, uh, some of his teaching, and uh, with a with a resurrection twist as well. So, if you'd like to open up your Bibles now at Luke chapter five, um, we'll be reading from verses one through to thirty-two, and Joanne will read that for us. Uh, it'll also be shown on the uh, on the data projector. So, Luke chapter five, verse one through to verse 32 Good morning Joanne.
1: And good morning all. If you're reading from the Bible with Just Holy Bible on it, it's on page 1032. If you're reading from the other one, I trust you can find it yourself. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so reading from Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding round him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Then Jesus said to Simon, "'Don't be afraid. "'From now on you will catch men.' So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, "'Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean.' Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One day, when as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came, carrying a paralytic on a mat, and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus, but they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, "'Friend, your sins are forgiven.' but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Hey, my name's Benjamin, and if I haven't
0: met you already, I'm looking forward to doing so uh, as we move out for a cuppa afterwards. Uh, we have just uh, had read to us uh, earlier on uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 32, and if you wanted to keep that open in your Bibles, uh, I'd, I'd uh, welcome that. I'd encourage that. Has there ever been a barrier that you just haven't been able to get past, a barrier that seemed insurmountable, When I was young, I remember an obstacle course that for many was just too much. I remember crawling through drains on my belly for hundreds of metres, but uh, that wasn't the worst of it. The worst was a pit full of murky water and the only way through the course was through the pit. Uh, Down into the murky water, submerged was a tunnel which then rose uh, and the the course continued, you had to hold your breath and feel around under the water for this tunnel and then go down into it and then climb up through it until you got back above the water level. For many people, many of my colleagues, they just couldn't or wouldn't bring themselves to be vulnerable in that way. Either I am brave, Uh, we argued about which it was, Scott. Uh, (laughs) but I relish the idea of breaking through barriers. Even so, some barriers are insurmountable, aren't they? And they're not just for fun either, like my obstacle course. They're serious. Today's passage mentions 13 barriers. Don't worry, this isn't a 13-point sermon. (laughs) In fact, there's one big point I want you to take away today, and that's that no barrier can stop Jesus. Hear today's good news. Barriers can't stop Jesus. And when he breaks through, we're left in complete awe. No barrier can stop Jesus. And if you uh, want to look today in Luke chapter 5, we're going to work through four barriers. They're on your outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along. The first barrier I want to draw out of the passage is shame. Shame can't stop Jesus. You can see shame in the retelling of Jesus' ministry by the shores of Lake Gennesaret. Jesus is teaching the people and we pick it up from verse 4. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, "'Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch.' Simon answered, "'Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, "'but because you say so, I will let down the nets.' When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They signalled their partners in the other boat to come help them. They came, filled the boat so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Look, yes, the fishing trip shows more than one barrier. The reluctant fish are clearly a barrier. I could have entitled this section, Reluctant Fish Can't Stop Jesus, but actually I want to point you past the reluctant fish to see something more significant to reluctant Simon Peter. Look at verse 5. I'm picking up some passive aggressive behaviour. Did you notice it? It's got all the traits. Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Did you see the false deference of calling Jesus master when he's just about to give Jesus a piece of his mind? We've caught nothing. There's nothing here. But if you say so, because you seem to know better, fine, I'll do it. Peter may have resisted. But he does comply. And did you see how it changes him? Peter turns from resistance to outright shame. Peter is a career fisherman. He probably knows this patch of water, but Jesus, the lowly carpenter, turns out to know more about fishing than Peter does. Peter realises he's just grumbled against a man who knows far more than he ever will, who will be far better than he ever will be. And Peter is so overwhelmed by shame that he cries out, Lord, get away from me. I am a sinful man. Have you ever felt shame like that? No, I have. When we're ashamed, we also want to hide. We want to push our loved ones away. Peter, too, is wondering what Jesus must think of him. Like Peter, we want to distance ourselves. I'm ashamed. Go away from me, Lord. But that barrier doesn't stop Jesus. His words win out. Verse 10, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The response is telling. Jesus sees past Peter's aggression. Jesus sees past Peter's shame. Don't be afraid, he says. Seems to suggest that shame is a type of fear, and we know this to be true fear that stops us relating to our loved ones. You've seen this. When you hurt someone, you steer clear from them for a while. Because we fear being in their presence because it just reminds us of the hurt that we caused. Peter's shame is a type of fear, a fear that stops him relating to God. But how does Jesus deal with that? Don't be afraid. Shame doesn't stop Jesus. He wants to get his people involved. He wants them to follow him. So Jesus breaks down this barrier and invites Peter and the disciples and us to join in His amazing work. Well, our first barrier was shame. Our second is sickness. Sickness is no barrier for Jesus. Let's have a look at two accounts of sickness here to see if we can understand what's going on. The first is the leper from verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. When he saw Jesus... He fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. The leper's sickness would have been a huge barrier, as I'm sure you know. Leprosy was contagious, and so therefore unclean under Jewish law such that lepers were required to warn people when they were coming by shouting out, unclean, unclean, so that people knew to get out of the way. It wasn't just physical isolation, therefore, it was also social isolation, because I don't know about you, but I feel like if I were to shout unclean at someone, that would pretty much be the end of our conversation, (laughs)
1: let
0: alone friendship. But sickness cannot stop Jesus. It was no barrier. Did you see? Jesus reached out and touched him. Jesus initiated this contact. We only have an inkling of the isolation that this leprous man felt. Uh, I spent a week overseas recently, I was very fortunate, but that was a week without a hug from my wife and family. Some of you have gone even longer without seeing family, uh, without a friendly touch or a loving hug. That can be difficult. And we can still recall the pain of that isolation in the lockdown era, can't we? How much more so from this leprous man who had to call out to tell people not to touch him. But this sickness can't stop Jesus, who reaches out and touches him. Now, COVID lockdowns remind me a bit about how sickness spreads. When a healthy person comes into contact with a contagious person, the common way is that the contagious disease has an opportunity to spread, it was the same with purity and uncleanness in the Old Testament law when something that was unclean came into contact with something that was pure. The uncleanness would spread. But when Jesus is involved, the reverse happens. Jesus's purity is somehow transferred to this unclean man and the man can now re-enter the temple, re-enter his family home He can re-enter society. There's more to be said about this and I'll come to it shortly. But how is it that Jesus can touch a contagious man and both of them come out healthy? Because sickness is no barrier to Jesus. Neither is the sickness of a paralysed man a barrier to Jesus. The next passage speaks of a man who is carried on a mat to see Jesus and goes home walking and praising God. But that's not the point of our next passage. We're going to see something even more impressive. Look at the story from verse 17. One day as he was teaching... Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem were sitting there, and the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men carrying a paralytic on a mat tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. We're talking about barriers today, and as I mentioned, there are plenty of barriers, even in this part of the passage. First barrier, the man couldn't walk. That makes it difficult to get to see Jesus. He would have relied on some help from his buddies. Jesus wasn't in the habit of making house calls. He was appearing in public places, and therefore also it's a packed room. In addition to the man not being able to walk, if he's being carried by four guys around him, it's going to be hard for them to move through the crowd. Another barrier. And third barrier, uh, it's the roof. It's going to be hard to get through to see Jesus. You can see the author, Luke, the author of this gospel, is laying the groundwork for an even more amazing breakthrough, which is about to come. But what happens next is so astounding. It shocks all who were there and even us as we read it again. Verse 20, seeing their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? What barrier did Jesus overcome here? Well, if you're looking in your notes, you'll know the answer. Sin is no barrier to Jesus. Sin is no barrier to Jesus. Let me explain. I've spent a bit of time in the hospital emergency department, not related to my earlier story, no. Some of you might be saying, well, no surprise there. I know Ben's risky way of exercising and uh, recreating. But have you ever been to an ED? Been a patient? been supporting a patient who goes to the emergency department they have this thing called triaging where you go and you get assessed as to whether your need is more important than the needs of people who are already there and also as they look at you what is the most important need for you to be in the hospital what is the most pressing concern that needs to be rectified When I attended the emergency department, the doctor rightly diagnosed me as being able to wait while uh, cardiac patients went ahead of me and also diagnosed my broken ribs as being of more pressing concern than the scratches on my knee. The doctor triaged me and then treated me. When the paralyzed man is lowered through the roof, Jesus, the great physician, triages the patient he identifies the bigger problem and deals with it first. Verse 20, his first words to the man on the mat, friend, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Two things we note about this. First, Jesus is well aware that the work he is doing is God work. Even his opponents we see grumble That forgiveness of sins is something that only God can do. And Jesus doesn't correct them. Jesus is showing his divinity here, showing that he is God, showing that by pronouncing forgiveness of this man's sin, Jesus is God. Second point to note is how the man's physical paralysis appears to be second priority in this triaging. He heals the man of his paralysis. Why? Is it because the man needs cure? Let's look at verse 23 to see. Jesus said, Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Why did Jesus heal the man's paralysis? Was it because he needed that healing? Did he look at the man and say, oh, you're in a bad way. We better fix you up. Doesn't appear to be. No, verse 24, he's saying to his opponents, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins, look at my proof. Jesus heals the man's paralysis to make a point about his power to do something even greater. The man's sickness is not his problem. The man's sin is his problem. Jesus heals the man to make a point about sin. We all have physical ailments, some more than others. Some of us with ailments that make every day a struggle, every day a battle, but nothing so destructive and difficult as the problem of sin in each of our lives. Sin is not just any old barrier. Sin is the barrier. I want, you to, te- I want to tell you about a woman I met this past week named Colleen. Colleen, who's looking after her seven grandchildren not just on a holiday, looking after her seven grandchildren because her three children are either addicted to drugs or serving a jail sentence, and she has become the primary carer. The impact on Colleen's life is immense, not to mention financially a grandma who's had to go and get another job and also try and manage these children at the same time a huge barrier that prevents her even contemplating the idea of retirement living or even a so-called normal life, my dip in a drainpipe pales in comparison to what she has to do every day just to get by, feeding and clothing her grandkids while they rightly wonder where their parents are and she tries to work out how to answer that question but what's her biggest problem? Well, she told me what her biggest problem was. Her biggest problem, Jesus has already overcome. Her biggest problem, her sin that stops her from relating to a holy God. Her sin that Jesus has dealt with, forgiving her and bringing her into his kingdom, into his church, into relationship with her, so that she counts her blessings every day. Her every waking hour is devoted to serving Jesus because she knows Jesus is the solution for her grandkids and for her children. And she prays daily that they would all meet him too, just as she has. Colleen's story and the story about the paralysed man show just how serious sin is. Even more serious than earthly struggles like paralysis, like sickness, like poverty. And it shows the reason Jesus came to earth. Jesus came to deal with sin. We see this most clearly in the story of the cross. That's the story we celebrate at Easter. We recounted just two days ago on Good Friday when this same Jesus was wrongly convicted and nailed to planks of wood in order to kill him, executed by corrupt leaders, left to die. If health was the thing to be prized over all, don't you think that the author of life would just make himself healthy? instead of giving up his good health and willingly going to the cross? For Jesus, health isn't the goal. Riches aren't the goal. Dealing with sin is the goal. The real problem is sin, and it needed a real solution. And just as Jesus declared forgiveness for this paralysed man, just as he declared forgiveness for Colleen... He can declare forgiveness for you because in going to the cross, Jesus has dealt with the problem of sin. He dealt with it by accepting the punishment that you and I deserve, the punishment of death for our sin. Jesus, fully God and fully man, is the only person who could truly pay that punishment that all of us deserve it cost Jesus dearly and just as Jesus reached out to the leprous man to take away his disease he reaches out to you to take away your sin while we were still sinners Christ died for us that is far more of a blessing than simply having good health Sin is the real problem, but sin is no barrier to Jesus. And that's evident also in the last episode of our passage today, the calling of the disciple Levi. Now, you might not get a sense that Levi is a sinner, but the lifestyle of a first century tax collector? Yeah. No room for doubt. For a job that required the simple transfer of money from the Jewish people through to the Roman Empire, The tax collector's job became surprisingly lucrative. Tax collectors were corrupt and known for lying and cheating their way into getting more money than actually they were entitled to. And in our passage, this tax collector is the one called by Jesus. And this tax collector changes his life completely as a result. From verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and Pharisees were eating with them. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Did you notice what happened to change Levi's life? He had an encounter with Jesus and he dropped everything to follow him. The man who seemed to be all about amassing wealth And we read that he had a house big enough to accommodate a crowd and that he was able to fund not just a banquet, but a great banquet. Sounds like a pretty good wicket, but it was earned by sin. And so Levi left his gold mine of a tax booth and spent his remaining money on inviting his friends to come meet this Jesus. Barriers can't stop Jesus, not even sin. This is another example of Jesus turning around the life of a sinner and bringing him back into the relationship with God that he was created to be in. Now today's Easter Sunday. It's appropriate to talk about another barrier that can't stop Jesus. The barrier of death. Death can't stop Jesus. When we think about a person dying, we think that they breathe their last and quite rightly, because that is the example for all of us, but not so for Jesus. He died, we just heard about this on Friday, he died, but he didn't breathe his last. On the next Sunday morning after that Friday, his disciples found his grave was empty. And Jesus rejoined them. Jesus, really Jesus Breathing again, breathing on the disciples, the Bible tells us. Jesus is still breathing today, still fully human and also seated in God's throne room at God's right hand side, a human being in the heavens with a body that is now free from death. We thought death was a barrier, but death couldn't stop jesus death can't stop jesus and for those of us who are with jesus death can't stop us either praise god for that you may not believe what i'm saying but that's okay when jesus calls you into his kingdom he'll convince you and he'll enable you to respond no shame no sickness No sin can stop Jesus. Death can't stop Jesus. Nothing can stop Jesus from achieving what he set out to achieve, which is leading his people, his church, into glory. No barrier can stop Jesus. And so that brings us to a question for you. What is your barrier? What stops you from this relationship that God created you for? There's two main barriers I can think of that apply to each of us in different ways. The first barrier is a blindness to sin, such that we don't really see sin as a barrier. We actually become quite comfortable in our lives, don't we, as we think about, yeah, I'm okay with that. That's not that bad, such that we're not willing to change. Is, is that you? Is that how you think about sin, if you think about it at all? Perhaps you think good health is more important than dealing with sin, and sin's really no big deal. Perhaps you reject God's rules. Perhaps you dismiss what he says. Perhaps you dismiss the Bible's warning about a coming judgment, The episode of the paralysed man here shows that in God's view, sin is the biggest problem in our lives, even bigger than health, even bigger than poverty, even bigger than paralysis, because those problems may last for a lifetime, but the problem of sin has the risk of affecting us for eternity. And we need to recognise sin as our biggest problem and ask Jesus to deal with it. Have you asked him to, to deal with it? We need to confess it. We need to repent of it. We need to let Jesus take care of it. And for those of you who've put your trust in Jesus, and I see many of you have, why would you allow sin to remain? Why would you no longer think of it as a problem and instead focus on health and good living? Don't get comfortable with any sin in your life in thought, in word, in deed. Not gossip, not lust, not rage, not anything. Not in yourself and not in others either. Any sin is rebellion against God and no sin is ever appropriate. Deal with it by allowing Jesus to deal with it. On the other hand... Maybe our barrier is that we see our sin as too great a barrier, such that Jesus just couldn't deal with everything I've got. You might see yourself as beyond redemption, too broken, too far gone for Jesus to fix. I asked a mate to church once and he said the place had burned down if I set my foot in there. You agree that your sin is a real problem but either you doubt that Jesus' death does enough to pay for your sin or, like Peter, you're ashamed and afraid. Just go away from me, Lord. I'm too sinful. But Jesus called Peter back out of his shame, out of his fear, and he calls you too. Like he reached out to the leper, Jesus is reaching out to you too. He is the only one who can help. Friends, Jesus is interested in you. Jesus is reaching out to you. Jesus is calling you out of your life of sin and calling you into friendship and relationship with him. And nothing can stop that. It's time to let him in. It's time to let down the barriers. It's time to let him reach out and save you. And just as he rose to life this Easter Sunday, then those who put their trust in him, we will rise to life with him. Sure, in the hope of that final day when we will be free of everything that hinders us. No sickness, no pain, no crying sin completely dealt with barriers can't stop jesus and if the son sets you free you are free indeed let's pray heavenly father we are sick and we are poor but we are sick and poor in our sin for that is what has prevented us from truly having relationship with you And yet Jesus deals with it. Lord, we confess our sin to you now, knowing that nothing is so great that Jesus can't deal with that in his death on the cross. Jesus has broken down every barrier so that now we can relate to you the way we were created to do. Lord, please help us to think about our barriers this week. And bring them to you so you can smash them down the way they should be. In Jesus' name, amen.